The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. We've only gone and done it. We are the fucking champions. Of Premier League 2. Division 2. Yeah. And we'll probably never sing that, but you know what? We should, because it's been an absolute privilege to watch it. Obviously, Man City game has been talked about a lot, and this has just happened, so we might as well jump straight into this, because I'm assuming that you watched the whole thing. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it was on live on YouTube, so I've been uh, watching that all evening, and... Like I say, bit of great match to watch. It could have been interesting if it kept up at the pace it did in the first seven minutes, where Leeds take the lead and have a penalty saved. Yeah, the first sort of seven to ten minutes of this game were one of the hardest games I've ever uh, like covered because obviously I was covering it for for it all together. And you'd look down, type some up, or write a note, and by the time you looked back up, Leeds were on another attack. They just went absolutely mental for the first seven minutes. Yeah, class champions, indeed. Yeah. Uh, it was a really good game to watch. I mean, it pretty much always is when the under-23s are involved. But uh, the actual score, Leeds needed a point to seal the title. They won 2-1 away at Aston Villa. Aston Villa, who had a really strong team out as well. Um, we had Wesley up front, who's obviously had a cap for Brazil and cost like twenty odd million pounds. He has been out injured for a while, but you know it's still you would assume a tougher task than facing the average nineteen-year-old that you're facing me under twenty-threes. Bjorn Engels and um, I nearly said Ezra Conter, but not Ezra Conter. Courtney Hawes at centre back. Um, L- you know, Louis Barry in there as well for them. Yeah, Louis Barry, who um, I mean, he, he was at Barcelona and looking really good, but he scored that good goal when a uh, they played Liverpool in the FA Cup and had to stick out the kids due to COVID restrictions and things. He looks like a real prospect. Uh, that Aaron Ramsey in midfield, because Jacob Ramsey's been playing in first team from this season quite a lot. And that Aaron Ramsey looked their best player in 23s by a distance. Mm. But despite all of that, them having some senior names in it being a strong under-23 side, Leeds were miles the better side. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think... I really like the moment in the sort of about halfway through the first half when I think it's Joe Gerhard goes up against is it Wesley, who mm. seems to be about a foot taller than him. No, not seems to be. I bet he is. <laughs> and Joe, <laughs> Joe Gerhard gave zero fucks that yeah. I'm getting in your face. Yeah, um, skinned him and then Wesley rugby tackled him and Joe Gerhard reacted by being patronising, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> um. But yeah, throughout, you know, what it was, it was obviously great to see Adam Farshaw get a, a decent run out and, and be part of that. Um, I thought first half, Leeds pretty much focused everything down that left-hand side. Uh, mostly, I think, going through Somerville as well. So you didn't, one of the few, few occasions where you don't see a whole lot of, of Cody drama, there wasn't much for him to do going forward. Um, Somerville just 
basically playing around, as you can sort of imagine someone who's played Eredivisie football could do when he's playing up against under-23s. Um, but yeah, Leeds, same as with the first team, really, just always looking to get forward and always on the counter-attack. Yeah, Somerville's been very impressive recently, uh, to the extent where you do think... It, the problem is because Leeds' first team is also playing so well, and that is not a problem. The problem is is a bad way to phrase it. Uh, but in other seasons, five or six of these players would have got chances. Because like Joe, Sam Greenwood, Joe Gellhart, Cody Drama, Jack Jenkins to an extent, uh, and he was very good tonight. Like really good, one of the better games I've seen him play. Uh, even Ch- uh, Charlie Cresswell as well. Niall Huggins, who obviously did make one appearance, all of them have played well enough that you could justify giving them a chance. It's just that the players in front of them have also been playing really well. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, kind of the, the the times they have, you know, some of the younger players have been given a chance is is either the whole game in the League Cup or Crawley, which uh, we we try not to talk about. Yeah, that was uh, too many of them at the same time. If it had just been a couple. And the the most impressive one didn't get the chance because, I mean, Gelhart's just been unreal. And he went off at half-time today, which gives me some hope that it might be with a view to Monday. Uh, getting into the actual goals, Sam Greenwood scored another absolute belter of a free kick. It wasn't as good as the one against West Brom. But if you if we were taking out the situation, you know, first team versus 23s, that might actually be goal of the season. Yeah, because it was one of the best free kicks you're ever going to see. Uh, we mentioned earlier that Gelhart missed a penalty, but it should not, and it wasn't a good penalty. And he he has missed a couple this season. Um, it doesn't appear to be the best penalty taken in the world, but it is fair to point out that he did win the penalty himself with a really good piece of play. Uh, the second half was more of the same in terms of Leeds being on top. Uh, Jack Jenkins at the second attempt after his first one were blocked. But Crescencio Somerville, with a run down the right way, beat two men, got to the byline and pulled it back and basically put it on the plate for him. It's good movement from Jenkins to find the space, but Somerville was so good in the build-up to that. Yeah, him and, him and Cody Drama seemed to have a great time that second half. Um, Cody Drama, not even just as a footballer, he's a hell of an athlete. Yeah, and I honestly think 1v1 defending, he's as good as anyone I've seen. It's like mm. him and as much as he plays for scum, like him and Wan-Bissaka. Oh, I've had a comment of Ali saying, is my missus doing a striptease to my right? I'm guessing the shadow above me looked weird when she came in to get milk for the baby. <laughs> I'm guessing it was a really weird outline. He also says that our 23s are better to watch than other teams in the Premier League. And I think I said to you the other day in person that the three best teams to watch in this country are Leeds United, Manchester City and Leeds United's under-23s. <laughs> uh, yeah, but back to, yeah, back to drama. Drama's really good. Like, he... I know that, obviously, next season now, Leeds are going to be facing a higher standard of 23s. You know, they're playing Man United and Liverpool and everyone. So it will be a better test for them. But it's a really hard balance to find because I'm not sure who I want to go out on loan. And who will benefit most from that? Who wants to stick around because they'll play? Like I think Gellar needs to stick around because I think he's got to play some minutes. I think See, he's too good. Yeah, I mean, for me now, obviously I've, I've kind of mentioned that I would like to see a few of these players, but 
certainly if if Luke Ayling ended up with a suspension or with a knock, I, I would love to see Cody Drama come in and, and just play him instead of doing this rotation of moving people around to try and fit the system or whatever yeah. it is, or playing Jamie Shackleton there. I'd rather stick with, you know, trying to get Shackleton at centre mid as much as we can and, and play Cody Drama there because I do think that he is the next best option. Yeah. The only reason this game was even close is because Charlie Cresswell got himself sent off uh, with sort of about 25 minutes to go. Uh, his first one was a yellow card for a cynical shirt pull and his second one, to be honest, obviously he's young and stuff, so I'm not going to castigate him for it out. But for, for being on the yellow card, it was one of the most ridiculous tackles <laughs> you've ever going to see a player make. He went absolutely flying in and didn't get within seven yards of the ball. It was no. it was a really poor tackle. No, and he, he, he knew straight away, didn't he? There was yeah. there was no appeal there. It was very much a case of get up and, well, yep. we, we had a good run. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's weird because barring the two, like even the first yellow, uh, it was one of Drama's only actually, only errors that he made. He sold him a bit short with a pass and that kind of played him into trouble and he got caught out pulling him back. But um, that one wasn't really his fault. The second one was just a mistake. But outside of that, Cresswell was pretty good, and I thought I thought Ollie Casey did well as well. Uh, obviously, although he didn't look at his fittest, going up against Wesley and getting and him having absolutely nothing was a really good sign. Uh, yeah, I, was, I, I could talk about the 23s a lot, to be honest, because they're great. Yeah, there was, um, I think, right at the end as well when you had the... I think Villa had a chance. It was probably in about the 91st minute when Capriel makes the save and it rebounds. And yeah. then and then Casey dives in for that block to put it behind for a corner. Yeah, it's like on the uh, on the player ratings, I bumped Capriel up by a whole mark for that save in the 93rd minute. Because I really thought that they were going to give it away. Uh, well, I say give it away. Give it away would have been harsh because they were putting pressure on at that point. But it's a good sign for a goalkeeper back because he hadn't, like, I don't think he had much chance on that free kick, so he didn't really have a great deal to do in terms of saves. Uh, and his distribution, I thought, was really good throughout. There was a couple of really good bits of quick distribution out at wings when he claimed it at set paces. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think all throughout, I, d- I feel there's a number of players who, who really stepped up in the second half that you saw a lot more of Niall Huggins on the ball, cutting inside. Mm. And uh, I, th- I think if they wouldn't have been using a flyaway ball, I think we could have had three or four, the amount, the amount of chance, I think him, Cam were, um, I think Sam Greenwood all had good chances from the edge of the area that they somehow seemed to smash a mile over the bar. Yeah. And then there was the, that Villa chance where he puts it over the netting at the back as well, which mm. seems ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, it was a, another great performance to see. Uh, and the thing that we haven't even mentioned yet, which will have been a lot of people's reason for watching like it'd have probably done the best figures of anyone, even if we weren't doing it to win the title. Eighty-four minutes for Adam Forshaw. He yeah. is alive. He's alive and looking fairly well. Yeah, I thought that considering the amount of time he's been out, I thought it was really impressive. Like the thing that I really like—I mean, he got on the ball quite well. He turned well in like narrow spaces under pressure and played the ball away. Good like press resistance and things like that. But the thing that I really liked about having so long out was sort of the speed of thought seemed to still be there. Like, mm. I'm going to play this pass. Oh, no, it's covered. Turn, quick ball the other way. 
like he wasn't dallying on it, which you sometimes see with players who have been out, been out for a while. Yeah, obviously, first and foremost, just just great to see him playing at all, given the the eighteen months he's had trying to try and get back. But yeah, I thought in possession, his body, his just the way he used his body just to throw defenders off and just give himself that that extra second on the ball. Mm. Um, it, it just showed that experience that he has, and, and you know, sort of the the. I don't know if you call it wiliness or whatever, you know, at this stage of his career. But um, as opposed to when you look at someone like Greenwood, who, again, in the second half, was just all about just, I'm going to get at people in mm. any way, shape or form and just cause them as much prob- as many problems as they can. And then you've got Forshaw just on the ball, just, just always kept it moving, you know, just quick little turns, just always finding that little pocket of space to give himself that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great, great to see him back. Yeah, it's brilliant to have him back. Uh, Ali there saying that he put himself about to the first couple of tackles he went into, I was cringing. Just because he's, he, you've got, you get it in your head that he's fragile, but he seemed to come through well. Obviously, um, on sort of 84 minutes, he, when he went off, he was hobbling a little bit. But it just seemed like that was the stresses of not doing it for a while, rather than something being wrong. Hopefully, because that'd be a real, that'd be such a disappointment for him if, after all of that. Um, I suppose the only other thing to mention is that with this, have we decided that Carlos Corberan is a fraud, and the real replacement for El Loco is El Jacko? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, great job from Mark Jackson and, and his team. And really nice seeing them at the end, getting in the big circle, and Mark Jackson giving the nice, nice little team talk at the end. I, I was, I was wondering if they had the trophy there for them, or if that's a, if that'll wait till the end of the season or how it'll work with them. But yeah, I'm not re- sure how it works, but I would think even if they win it tonight, surely they'd rather have it presented at Four Parts rather than at wherever Villa's under 23s play. Yeah, somewhere in the West Midlands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, great to see. You know, they had pretty much the whole squad there of of those that are featured. Obviously, not the, the first team players outside of Farshaw, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, he's, he's done a great job of, of taking over and and kind of putting his own stamp on that team as well. Yeah, um, he's he's done really well because it was. I mean, obviously, it makes it made sense for the appointment because it's quite often with jobs like that just a promotion from within. But he does seem to have really taken to it, and he'll have done his prospects. I mean, obviously, there is there is part of me goes, no, sorry, if we win Premier League one next year, then have him be the next one. But the just seeing a coach do this well with our twenty threes, it'll do his job prospects wherever they are. The world are good. Yeah, um, obviously it, did, it really worked for Corberan to get him the Huddersfield job yeah. and, and kind of take that style of football there. And and Leeds are still playing, you know, we do now have that identity throughout the the academy and, and the youth setups as well. Hmm. Um, so yeah, if it's if that's something he can keep up into, into next season, then yeah, you know, you could see clubs looking around at someone like him that want to try and build that that pressing style 
that, that Leeds play with at the moment. Yeah. Um, Leeds are getting a bit of a thing for 2-1 wins lately. Obviously, the 23s have had the 2-1 win tonight, the 2-1 against Fulham, 2-1 against Sheffield United. And, you know, least surprisingly of all, a 2-1 win at Man City. Yeah. Uh, I mean, totally on the cards. Just run-of-the-mill win that we all expected, really. I, uh, we didn't predict defeats or anything. Um, yeah, I, I actually could not believe this. Uh, it wasn't just the way, it wasn't just the win, but just the manner of it with everything that happened. Like we'll try and be some something like chronological with it. I mean, the first half, obviously, like Man City were on top, but it's not like we weren't a threat. On the break, we, although we didn't get the shots away, we did have chances. Yeah, there was a few sort of dangerous balls uh, across the penalty area. And it was, you know, obviously a Bamford's chance where John Stones, I think, is expected to clear it and, and seems to get nutmegged. And, and by that point, I think Bamford's fully expecting him to, to clear it and that puts him off. So it ends up going just behind him. I think there's a couple of times Rafinha got into good positions towards the byline and the, the pullback just wasn't quite there. Um. But like you say, we were getting into those areas, and and obviously by the time we actually score, that's that's you know the first shot that we've had. But there were signs that that we could get at them. Yeah, and it, when we did get the goal, it was a really good goal. Like Liam Cooper's ball down the line is a really good pass. Held Costa like sort of wins two fifty fifties, which it wasn't just that he had a good game in this. That's the sort of thing, that's where the criticism has been. You know, not being strong enough, not committed enough, getting knocked about too easily. So for him to win two consecutive 50-50s like that and then get the pass away was a really good sign. He plays it into Bamford, Bamford squares it, Stuart Dallas hammers it in off the near post, didn't take a deflection, I don't care what anyone says. Uh, Really good finish and it was almost basically the perfect half up until um, Liam Cooper's red card. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately in this day and age, you can't be making tackles like that. It, it, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, it was more of a clearance than a tackle, wasn't it, really? He got there by a mile. It was just a follow-through. Yeah, he, he, you know, he, he put the, the ball and Gabriel Jesus into both into Rosehead. Yeah, it's... If it wouldn't have been for the George Baldock thing against Sheffield United, I don't think I'd have been annoyed at all. Because look, I know modern football is rubbish, all of that stuff, but it's a, it's been a red card for five years, as that minimum. It's definitely a red. It's just because Baldock got away with what I still maintain is a worse tackle. Cooper caught him higher, but Cooper didn't have the same level of force. He wasn't as out of control. I don't. I think it's way less likely that Cooper would have injured Jesus making that challenge than it was Baldock really injuring Tyler Roberts in the way he went in. Yeah, I think we mentioned previously it's one of those where again, if Tyler Roberts has a has a planted leg when when that challenge goes in, it's you know that could have been a horrendous tackle. That you know, mm-hmm. fortunately, I think Jesus was didn't have his weight fully on that leg as, as the tackle goes in now. Obviously, the, the, there's the angle that from behind where you see it, it, it does look like a horrific challenge. Yeah. Um, it was... Uh, who's the, who was the 
referee they had at the BT studios, Peter Walton. It's Peter Walton who, I mean, he's famed for being horrendous at his job. Yeah, the whole thing was, yeah, the referee's given him a yellow card and, and you know, you look at that on first viewing and, and yeah, that seems that's, that seems like a reasonable decision and then it's, uh, it's gone over to VAR. Oh, it's going to be over to, it's going to be turned into a red this. Well, you look at and then he just cuts his, you know, you look at it and you've got to think, yeah, that's, that's a red card. Like, you just said that was a yellow. If, if your own opinion is flipping watching these replays that you had already watched... Like yeah. all, all he what does, are you bringing to this? All he does is back up whatever the referee said, and he just—he's just been—he's been terrible for it the entire season. He's just—he's just rubbish at his job, unfortunately. Um, but in a way, I mean, it, it sort of makes it better. <laughs> it like obviously Man City were completely on top leads. In a move that at first surprised me, but, you know, as usual, it's Bielsa being right. Because I thought Roberts would go off and we'd leave Bamford up top. But I suppose we didn't leave someone up front. We sort of let Rafinha slash Costa be the one, you know, playing from wide and be the out ball. So you, I suppose in that situation, you're better off having Roberts, who's more of a midfielder. Uh, Leeds hung on and hung on and hung on. We got to the hour mark, and that's when I claimed moral victory in the way that the square ball have had. We beat Liverpool on the opening day morally. <laughs> that was that was when it was moral victory, uh, and then they do get the equaliser. Little ball through to Bernardo Silva, who I'm sure he wasn't, but still looks like he's slightly offside. Uh, lays it lays it off to Ferran Torres, who it's an all right finish, but it's not right in the corner. And I think if Melier doesn't slip just before he hits the shot. I think Melier probably saves it. Yeah, it, it's an unfortunate slip and, and it was a lot, probably not to the same extent, but it's very similar to watching uh, games on our new pitch when that was first put in and it was just getting battered with the rain. There was uh, quite a few slips going on in, in this one. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of those where you just sat there and, and John Stones is, is slowly creeping up to break the this season's record for the furthest distance dribbled, um, so he is now safely ahead of of Jack Grealish, and and it, as it turns out, that was the master plan to to tire John Stones out. Yeah, he did lots and lots of running. Hopefully for him, that doesn't come back to bite him later. But yeah, forget the equaliser, and I can't pretend that like oh. But then Leeds come into the game. No, Leeds were like just sitting back. They couldn't get out just because Man City are really good and we had an extra man, you know, 500 million quid worth of players on the pitch. Pinning us back, pinning us back. And then there was uh, the hope spot, as we would call it, <laughs> where Leeds, Leeds break. It was uh, Phillips with a good interception and plays a great through ball and Rafinha's away. And he tries to go around Edison, which I, I think he only did because his touch that he meant to take inside wasn't good and it kept him going straight. Uh, tries to go around Edison, who makes a really good tackle. But it was as if, just in the way that we kind of stepped up the pitch, it was as if that moment where Rafinha got in, they all collectively realised, these are vulnerable. Well, yeah, because at, at this point then, they'd, they'd move Fernandinho back to, to centre-back as well, hadn't they? Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember who else it was that was playing centre-back, but he'd been, he'd been subbed in. 
I think that's when. Yeah, they, Phil, they took off. They took off Ake, I think, didn't they? Yeah, it took off Ake, and I think Phil Foden came on for him. So, for, yeah, so Fernandinho. Uh, Ake, Ake went off for Gundogan, and then Mendy went off for Foden later. Yeah. So, you, and the the one thing you're looking at at that point is well. We've got a bit of pace there to get at them, at least if you get in behind. Um, you know, as, as solid a player as, as Fernandinho is, someone like Rafinha or even, even Tyler Roberts, I would imagine, would just would have the pace on them. Yeah, and and just that little uh, that little moment there just gives you that that confidence that if we can get the right ball through, that that they are there to to still be got at. Yeah, uh, Jimmy sent us a message about that Phillips pass saying, was it a Pablo-like ball? I wouldn't call that a Pablo-like ball because it was from too deep. However, Alioski's through ball with the outside of the foot to put Stuart Dallas through. Yeah, that was Pablo-like. <laughs> uh, it wasn't just that pass. Now, that pass was brilliant. But it was the, in like the ni- what, 93rd minute, was it, at that point? We yeah. have got 10 men... Oh, no, it was 91st. I've just checked. You know, there. I heard it was the 102nd minute. Yeah, 105th. It was however late, <laughs> however late Aguero was. <laughs> add 10 minutes. Um, but in that situation with 10 men away at the team that are going to win the league, the team that is one of the best teams in the world, Melier claims the ball. Now, nah, quick throw out to the fullback who runs forward. One-two with a winger, through ball to the on-rushing central midfielder, and a really good finish as well. And it's like Stuart Dallas finishing, like it—it it was such a confident. He never looked like he might miss. He was every bit as confident as any striker I've ever seen in that position. And I mean, obviously. We went mental. Everyone went mental. No one went quite as mental as Tony Dorigo. <laughs> but it was it was just absolutely brilliant to see. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the things that you do get from from the empty stadium is just hearing the leads the leads players going mad, Melier running full length to join in the celebration in the corner. Yeah. I assume Victor Orta was somewhere screaming in the stand as well, swinging his jacket over his head or something. Yeah. Um, I see Tony Dorigo with a squeal as Stuart Dallas slips that in. Dallas, who apparently just closed his eyes and hit it. Yeah, I think he was uh, being a bit modest there. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I think it's more likely that he just hit the first one than the second one <laughs> from, the, from the, the technique and stuff. But, like... We did say earlier in the season, and I mean, other people have as well, that we, everyone was saying, I wonder if there'll be one game where we turn one of these over. And this would have been the last one I expected it to be. Yeah, I mean, you've got a City team that's coming in. That's yeah, Jimmy saying Victor might have shat himself. Uh, Victor might have shat on someone else. <laughs> that's how excited he was. He is not Gustavo Poyet's coaching staff. No. He's a slight touch above that. Yeah. It is pettiness. Um, yes. It's one of those things that we seem to have been asked it a couple of times and 
because it, it came up again after the game, like asking about our record against the the top four teams or the top six teams, and, and you're just there going, well, but why? Like why? Why would you? So like I can't imagine people have been asking Scott Parker and Sam Allardyce like, oh, you've not got a great record against the the you know the top four sides. Why you know? Do you think that's an issue? Like. No, we were just promoted this season. Yeah. Like, why are we expected to be competing with these teams? Yeah. That's that's not to mention that we had previously drawn with Manchester City this season. Yeah, in what still is one of the best games you'll ever see. Yeah, I, I mean, even the, the 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 moral victory against Liverpool, you know, obviously opening opening day for us. It's one of the best games of football I've, I've watched up to that point because it, it was mad because you're just watching us against the champions and just going, no, we, we don't give a shit. I know you've got Van Dyke and, and Salah and all that, but, you know, here's Jack Harrison. Yeah, Obviously, ev- everyone was really good. I mean, you would say that, like, you can't give Cooper that great a score because he got sent off. But like some of the performances in this regard, like Phillips was fantastic. Alioski was so good. Helder Costa was really good. Just throughout the team was great performances. But that Stuart Dallas performance, is that the best performance a player has had for us this season? Yeah, it's got to be right up there if it's not. Um, <laughs> again, you, you mentioned about how well um, Alioski and Costa played and, and the thought of them two playing on the same side before the game and I, I think we've kind of spoken about Man City possibly making changes which they did you know yeah. they ended up oh. making seven changes yeah. to just still to point have... out just to point out those two playing on that side against Cancelo and Mahrez yeah so before the game you, you would have had cause for concern but yeah. no not, not a, never yeah. never an issue like obviously you're expecting Mares. I didn't expect it to be Ferran Torres. <laughs> but if you were if you're talking about it before the game, I'd have been thinking Cancelo and Mares, and that's nine that's five goals. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, Stuart Dallas just an absolute machine throughout. First yeah. first time this season we've we've been outrun by an opponent as well, and it was only by two hundred metres. Yeah, two hundred metres when we only had ten men. It's uh it's it's just unbelievable. I cannot. Be- I I was in a genuine state of shock when I, not when Dallas scored, but maybe thirty seconds later, my brain just went. There's no way we can't have actually done this. No, it was it was amazing. And again, I you know I've been someone this season who has been pretty relaxed when it comes to us losing games because it's going to happen this year. We've, we've had two very high-pressure years where, where we've had to win pretty much every game, every week, well, twice a week, mm. to this season where, you know, before a ball was kicked, we'd all snap your hand off to finish mid-table. And, and that means you, you're pretty much going to lose as many as you win. And so when, you know this whole season while we've not been anywhere near a relegation fight, if we've lost a game, it's been, I've just been like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's not great, but I, I have no concerns about it. We are doing better than I had expected us to do this season. So, um, 
I found myself getting so tense and nervous through as, as City just kept attacking. Mm. And knowing that ultimately, if they went on to win the game, it still wouldn't mean a whole lot. Like, it wasn't going to change anything for us. We're, we're still going to be mid-table. But, yeah, I'd gotten so tense throughout that second half that when Dallas went through and scored, I just started laughing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just funny more than anything else of just, you've got all these players, you've thrown Foden on, you've put Gundogan on, you've got this, like you say, 500, 600 million pound team on the field. A £1.3 million signing from Brentford, Stuart Dallas, just runs down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and outpaces. Not makes your keeper <laughs> and takes the three points. It was a, it was a brilliant end. Yeah. We've had another message of Jim that just says, so I think we're still going to get eighth. Now, nah, mate, you're I mean, a, that, you're would be really, that would be really nice. But to be honest, now... It, us being only like five points off Europe is just giving me that n- knowing voice in the back of my head because there is no way that we should be any- anywhere near getting that. Uh, and the worst thing that could happen to us now, really, is for us to somehow like get into seventh and then drop away because then we'd leave this season with some sort of disappointment, which is so undeserved. So if we're going to ever hit seventh, it better be on the final day. Because other than that happening, like, I mean, if we drop and finish 13th now, fine, not a problem. Like, it would have mean that we've had a bad end to the season, but fine. I just, I'm so proud of the team that we've seen. It's a, like, I predicted 12th pre-season and I would, if they beat that, that is some serious going. Yeah, I... There's there's two sides of me that look at that seventh place and, and there's part of me is like obviously the fan that's just like, God, we could be back in Europe. We'll be the best team in the world in two years. <laughs> and then there's the other part of me going, qualifying for the Europa League would be the stupidest thing <laughs> we could do right now. We do not in any way have the squad to deal with this shit. <laughs> And I don't want us to spend a load of money to pad out the squad for the Europa League. Like, I just want a summer where it's like, okay, we want to do better than we did last season. So let's go get two better players than we have now. And just be reasonable about the whole thing. Now, if we qualify, if we happened to sneak in, and I don't for a second think we will, but if we did, it'd be really funny to see Bielsa just go, now, that's where Gelhart and Greenwood are playing. <laughs> Leeds United have sent the under-23s to play Roma. <laughs> and somehow they've come away with a creditable one-all draw. <laughs> as Eli- as Elia Capril brings out his inner Nigel Martin and has an absolute worldie of a game at Roma. That make Adam Forshaw Alfie Harland in this situation. Yeah, which means that we should probably sign Adam Forshaw's kid now. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, after an amazing win against Man City, which, I mean, what are we currently? 10th, 45 points. Pretty damn impressive situation to be in. We've got the nice, easy task of playing Liverpool on Monday night. 
Uh, and that, in theory, at the start of the season, that's as scary as playing Man City, but it's not now. No, the fear is gone. Um, the, the, that Liverpool team is there to be got at. Yeah. You know, the, the, they are clearly still nervous. That They just do not have the back line. And... You know, it's it's obviously it's an unfortunate situation for them how they've lost Van Dijk and Gomez this season, and and then every other defender they've had as well. Mm. Um, is it Kabak they've got centre back? Yeah, Kabak is very very highly rated. He's still young, so you'd say he's still got mistakes in him and stuff. But the the duo that they've settled on in their current situation is Nat Phillips and Kabak. Yeah, so you know, it's a young pair. It's a young pairing with. Um, that that will be under pressure, you know. Yeah, if nothing else, you you can imagine having someone like Bamford just pressuring you mm-hmm. at a time when I can imagine where yeah, you know, like you say, Kabak, he, he he's young, he's promising, but there's been a few mistakes from him already since since he came in, and uh, you never know when someone's confidence is is a bit low like that. What the sort of pressure Bamford's going to put on you can lead to whether it's you know leaving a back pass short or just dallying on the ball a bit too much. Um, so I think there's definitely that there's them to be got out that way. But you do look at the other side where, all right, Sadio Mane is not scoring much, but Mo Salah I think is still the top scorer in the division despite the the slump they've been in. Yeah. Um, you've got Trent Alexander Arnold now out on a mission now to to prove he's the best right back in the in the country or certainly the best attacking right back mm. um, yeah, so I mean, it could be it's not just Salah like, like Jota's uh, Diego Jota's in really good form since he came back Firmino I know that he's not as big a goal threat as some of us but I still think he's a really good player that can split open defences they've just going forward they're pretty much as terrifying as they always have been they're not in as good a form, so they're not quite. But in terms of the players, it's a seriously scary lineup going forward. Yeah, you've got you know you got Andy Robertson in there as well. Who again, it's just a, it's a fantastic left back. Mm. Like, yeah, and yeah. you would think that Robertson in this game, it sounds like he'll be up against Helder Costa because it sounds like Rafinha's probably out. Yeah, yeah, he's doubtful. So it looks like it'll be Harrison coming in. Uh, obviously, he missed the, the Man City game. Mm. Got to play lovely friendly in York instead. Yeah. Or against York, I should say. Yeah, I can say he scored a couple, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't a total wasted day for him. Mm. Um, outside of that, I don't think there's... Um, I think Rodrigo's still doubtful, so you'd imagine Gelhart will keep his place on the bench. I think could be why he was he only played forty five minutes today. Yeah. Um, the only other change is obviously Cooper's going to be suspended. He's the left footed one, so we're assuming Strauch. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like I mean, Robin Koch came on sort of nominally in midfield again, but it was a it wasn't quite as simple as that. The way that he like Koch in midfield wasn't an out-and-out midfielder against Man City. It was more extra defenders. It was Passing like like a number 10. Like, we haven't really spoke about it much, but, like, all of them against Man City 
were impressive, but Llorente, I thought, was really good. Yeah, just he's coming. He's just come on leaps and bounds mm. since he's had this this nice run in the team, mm. and and I think week on week he, he is probably one of the top three performers yeah. at this stage. Um, so obviously with a couple of changes, we they'll be, they will maybe play four two three one, but they'll probably play four three three. They pretty much always do. So we'll be in his normal shape. I can't see there being any other weird changes unless there's a late injury. Uh, I'm almost tempted not to do a prediction and just release it on Twitter because we forgot against Man City and we won. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And just predicted uh, defeats again. Yeah, but uh, Jimmy's in the comments saying he, he thinks we'll square per draw. Uh, what do you reckon? Um, I was going to say square per draw. I was thinking two all. Um, I did. It's just strange, you know. Obviously, we're a strange team to predict draws for at, at this point of the season. But um, like I said, they're there to be got at. We can be there, can be got at, at times whilst going forward, and they do also have the players to punish us. Um, I, dr- I really hope it is something akin to the game at Anfield, if nothing else, that it's just end to end. Yeah, because like, at, at this point, with how with how we are, I, I just want to see some good football now. Like, I've, I've no concerns about again. If if we lost this, you'd just be like, "Well, I didn't want to lose to Liverpool, but you know, we're still mid table. We're not West Brom." Yeah, it's still good. It's still good. Um, yeah, I I think that weirdly, I think this is what I said for the Man City game actually. But I'm not doing it for that reason. It is genuinely the first scout coming to my head. I think we'll lose 4-2. But I think yeah. it will be just end-to-end, both teams going for it. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a really good game. I'm not... I, do, I, I hate Monday night games because you're waiting all weekend for them. But because we're completely safe now, it doesn't matter so much. If we had something on the line in the games on Monday night, I hate it. Now, mate, it's fine because by the time it gets to Monday, we know what we have to do. And what we have to do is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) What we have to do is play. KC, this comment wants to go on your Tinder. Oh, KC is so timid sometimes, bless him. (laughs) One of your best reviews, is that? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's also how I would describe my lovemaking style. Well, you know, maybe push back a bit harder. <laughs> you see, that's that's funny. That's funny because KC has his portion, therefore people think he's gay all the time. Um, Not so much now. No, uh, but I'm a. Uh, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. I think it should be good. Um, that I believe will do us. I think that we've got through everything we need to get through. Unless you want to add, mate. Uh, no, I think that's about it. I. I... I'm ready now to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, those those are things. Yeah. I'm going to watch the highlights of Leeds v Man City. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to watch. Uh, but yeah, that'll do us for episode 115 at Mike White's podcast. There might be a slight delay on the audio version of this because we've got stuff on tonight, so it might not get edited till the morning, but I'm sure that you'll all live. And the you know ones of you that get it in the audio version won't know until you listen to it anyway. So uh, I've been Jack. See ya. I've been Casey. Have a good one.
in a bit. 